And I think that it's really important if you want to be successful, you do have to find ways to inject yourself back into the business. Even if it's a franchise or something that a million other people do, you can really put your stamp on it from a culture standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a passion and heart standpoint. And as funny as it is, I think so much of the meaning we draw from things is the meaning we choose to give it. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker, and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here. You love the audio format because you listen to podcasts. I'm a massive fan of learning through audio courses and books. What I particularly like about Knowable is that courses are short form, like a podcast, and expert-led, like an audiobook, with courses on leadership from the commander of the International Space Station and on startups from the co-founder of Reddit. Grab yourself 20% off with coupon code GAVIN, in capital letters G-A-V-I-N, which brings the price down to just over $3 a month. It's a no-brainer. Download the Knowable app or visit knowable.fyi. Use code GAVIN to get 20% off. Hey, and welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Gavin here, Gavin Preston, and today I'm chatting with Derek Van Ness. Uh, He's a wealth strategist and he's passionate about helping people reach their full potential. But we want to talk about life planning and life financial planning in particular. So Derek, welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Happy to be here, Gavin. This is going to be a lot of fun. So tell before we get into some of the strategies about... um, building financial peace of mind in a three-year kind of plan. Talk Mm -hmm. to me about your career journey and then your business, Big Life Financial. Yeah. So it kind of depends on where you want to start the journey, but uh, truly I think entrepreneurship for me started when I was 28 years old. I've been working a corporate job and the economy was kind of slowing down. This was like around 2001. And I, I really... The slowdown in the the corporate world really caught, got me thinking: Is this what I want to do for a career? Right, living in a cubicle under fluorescent lights just really wasn't my idea of how I wanted to live. Especially because I was, you know, really I lived on the beach in Los Angeles, wow. so having to go and spend all day at a cubicle under fluorescent lights where I couldn't enjoy the beach or any of that was really frustrating, right? And I think that discontent, and I think a lot of people are probably feeling this right now with COVID was the sort of the catalyst to make me ask myself, what do I really want out of my life? Right. And I didn't have a concrete answer. What I knew was I wanted more control and I knew I wanted the ability to impact my outcomes, right? Because it was very difficult to feel like you're in a job where you sort of have to hit quotas and do things that your boss is telling you to do, even though you feel like none of this is taking me where I want to go. I'm like doing all this busy work so that I can kind of get to the things I want to do. And I felt like having more control over that was really important to me. So I, I quit in 2001, uh, actually 2002, I decided in 2001 on my birthday, (laughs) I called in sick, even though I wasn't, you know, I did the (laughs) not feeling so good boss. Uh, And I went online and I found these, these uh, real estate investing courses, which might sound really cliche right now, but at the time, like, house flipping wasn't really a thing. This was 20 Mm. years ago. Mm. Not that it wasn't going on. It just wasn't, you know, all over the TV and there weren't so many people doing it. And so I I got into that and I like the idea of 
taking something ugly and making it pretty and being able to make some money at that. And I thought two or three of those a year and I could make as much as I make at my job. That seems like a good trade. But at, yeah. but at the time it was really like a get me out of my job until I can figure out what I want to do. True. And then it actually turned into a real career for the, over the course of the next uh, seven or eight years, I did about 150 house flips. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We really, like once I got into it, I realized, Hey, there's like a, there's a business here and we can turn this into a conveyor belt of buying. And did you have your own team month. of, you know, build a team and, and, and remodeling team? We did eventually. Yeah. The first couple, you know, and I talked to entrepreneurs a lot about this in the beginning, when you have more time than money, you do a lot of stuff yourself, mm -hmm. but as you have more money than time, you switch that off and you buy other people's time with your money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so first couple, I had to do a lot myself. And then eventually we had about three construction crews running full-time doing all of our projects. Cause I had between 12 and 18 of them going at a time. Wow. So it was, it was a pretty big operation, at least for me. And we had a couple of, a uh, couple of employees in the office, but then as everybody remembers, 2008 came along and uh, real estate investing kind of came to a halt, right? Yes. Like flipping a house because I could buy them real cheap. There was just no one to sell them to. Yeah. And uh, where I lived in Los Angeles, you can't really buy property cheap enough to rent it. Like right. even a dump in the, the scariest part of the ghetto next to the projects was 300,000. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And that was 20 years ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, and you couldn't rent them for nearly enough. So it was just, it was either buy, fix and resell, or you had to put a tremendous amount of money in there and leave it in there to create any sort of tiny cash flow. So of course we, we were flipping them long story short, uh, just like a, a boat out at sea, you know, I got caught in the storm and smashed against the rocks. <laughs> oh, and what I, what I discovered during all that is I didn't necessarily love working with houses so much, but I really loved working with people. And I was really determined to figure out, you know, I was making a lot of money. How do I, how do I create a structure, a financial structure so that when the storm comes again, mm -hmm. I'm going to be okay because it's not just how much you make, but it's how much you get to keep. And yeah, especially yeah. when those sort of, we'll call them cleansing periods come along and they teach you what you're doing wrong. This time I wanted to be a bit more, more fundamentally set up. I was, uh, I was making a lot of money, but I was not being as efficient, effective, or safe with it as I could have been. And so I kind of got on that trail and uh, that's kind of led me to where I am now. I, I started working with the company had an opportunity where they were bringing in a lot of the clients and I was hired because I had a ton of business experience, a ton of financial experience. I'd been licensed in insurance and a couple other things. And it was kind of the perfect storm. So I got to work with about a thousand business owners over the next five years. So that was like 2009 to 2014, 2015. And what kind of work were you doing with them? <clears throat> what we do? So I was doing financial coaching for business owners. Great. And we did everything from like our process was starting off with financial principles, then talking about uh, what we called sole purpose, because so many business owners, like they start with like something in their heart and then it becomes transactional yeah. and they struggle with their business because it's, it's a job, right? Yeah. There's no meaning, there's no purpose and they lose themselves in just running the business 
And I think that it's really important if you want to be successful, you do have to find ways to inject yourself back into the business. Even if it's a franchise or something that a million other people do, you can really put your stamp on it from a culture standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a passion and heart standpoint. And as funny as it is, I think so much of the meaning we draw from things is the meaning we choose to give it. Oh, sure. And, and so many business owners, I think, lose that and they wonder why their business is flat Yeah, and it's because they're flat. And so a big part of my job in that particular portion of that training was helping people to recapture and rekindle the fire within them of what am I really doing this for outside of money? Of course, mm-hmm. everybody has to make money, but making money is different than making a life and, and definitely different than making a life you love. And too many business owners, I think, have this all-consuming business that just kind of empties their soul out instead of filling it up. And so my job was to help them figure it out, even if they realized that the reason they got into it wasn't why they were in it anymore. And a lot of that comes back to people. How are you helping people? How are you creating value in the world? And for many people, it wasn't necessarily the end user customer because maybe they created a widget that got sold to someone else who sold it to someone else and they never saw the end user but it turned into how do I take all the people in my office, all the people that, that we support and build a family and really support these people in growing and becoming the people that they can be. And they find a ton of fulfillment in that. So there's a million different ways to kind of approach it, but we had to find what resonated with each person. And when you do that, instead of your business being an effort and you're getting into that, what's the minimum I can do, it becomes an allowing. You just allow yourself to flow out and it's self, self uh, perpetuating and you do the maximum instead of the minimum. And amazingly, the bottom line follows. So, so that was a big part of the training. And then we went through investments, insurance, uh, business coaching, estate planning, all kinds of different things, which you know, are all the, the pieces that a lot of people, especially people we worked with who are good at what they did, but not so good at finances. Uh, we, we really helped them put structures in place so that they could live they, the life they wanted to live. And eventually I wanted to do it on my own because, you know, I was, even though I was an independent contractor, I was kind of constrained to their model. And there were some things I wanted to be able to do creatively and, and add on that I was seeing were real needs for clients. So, you know, back in 2014, 2015, kind of made that jump and Big Life Financial was born. Hey, Gavin here. You love the audio format because you listen to podcasts. I'm a massive fan of learning through audio courses and books. What I particularly like about Knowable is that courses are short form, like a podcast, and expert-led, like an audiobook, with courses on leadership from the commander of the International Space Station and on startups from the co-founder of Reddit. Grab yourself 20% off with coupon code GAVIN, in capital letters, G-A-V-I-N, which brings the price down to just over $3 a month. It's a no-brainer. Download the Knowable app or visit knowable.fyi. Use code GAVIN to get 20% off. Um, a thousand business owners you helped over a five-year period. What yeah. are what were some of the patterns that you noticed? You know, the things that were doing wrong and the things that other business owners were doing right. Yeah, I repeat this on like so many things that I talk about, but I think it's so important if you could just take one thing out of this pod podcast. It's this, and it's not sexy, and it's not super cool, but if you can systematize saving money you will get wealthier every single month. And if you don't, you will always live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. 
if you can't save, you never get to the point where you can invest. And I think so many people are like, I'll invest when, I'll invest when, I'll invest when, and they never get to when because they don't ever save. They're trying to, to run before they crawl, right? So the savings is the gateway to building wealth with those investments and all the other things that it creates. It's just that most people don't want to save because they don't think it's very sexy or cool, right? So when you say systematize, what do you mean by that? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, have, have a strategy that happens automatically, whether you do something or not. So it could be something as simple as a bank sweep yeah. from, your, from your checking to your savings account. We teach a strategy called the infinite banking concept. You can do it in the UK or in the US, but we use a life insurance policy. And what happens is the life insurance charges the money, right, for the insurance, but most of that goes into a savings vehicle inside of the life insurance. Okay. So it's kind of like an automatic bill that gets paid, but it goes into a, an account that's like a high interest bearing type of account that business owners can utilize. And that's like a whole nother topic. And it's, you know, what I teach is US specific there. But uh, we teach a lot of business owners to do that as their automatic savings, as long as they've already got a couple months worth of cash set aside. So the first priority is get a couple of months of uh, cash to act as a buffer. Yeah. And then you can start to do a sweep of uh, to a savings account. Well, I think I think the first thing is you create the sweep to the savings account until you get the three-month buffer. Sure. Right? Three months worth of expenses. So it's not an amount. It's based on how much you spend to live. Um, and then once you get past that, you may want to consider saving in a better place. And for some people, that's the stock market. For some people, that's other types of strategies, gold and silver, whatever. I prefer life insurance because it has guarantees and always goes up. If you set it up properly, it's, it's really effective. And if you do it wrong, it can really suck. So you want to do it right. But, uh, but it doesn't matter. Like even saving in a not great place all the time is way better than not saving. Sure. Sure. And do you then encourage people to, to put that in a separate almost like a separate bank. So they don't see it as a part, you know, when they go on the app and they, they might have a deposit account on the app that's so easy to transfer money back, isn't it? So do you get them to put it in a different institution? So they out of sight, out of mind, this savings? Yes. I, I prefer if their big savings account, not their three month emergency account, but their, this we'll call this your emergency opportunity fund. When you save there, I prefer that it be in some, some place where it's, it's got to be a conscious decision for you to go ahead and get that money from there. Hang on one sec here. Sorry about that. My, uh, somebody just came, came home and my dog was very excited about that. <laughs> so, right. uh, so I'll say that again. Um, so once you've got your three months saved, then I would say you want to set up the automatic savings into a type of account where you have to consciously go there and pull the money out. Like in your mind, it's earmarked. This is for emergencies or opportunities. And that's it. It's for growing my business. It's for investing. It's for, for when emergencies like COVID come along or health problems, or, you know, we're struggling at, at, at business. We've got those opportunity or that opportunity fund to help us. But yeah, definitely a different institution or type of account so that you know this money is earmarked and designated for this other thing not for spending and do you recommend that that sweep that transfer to this other account is done before the other bills are paid absolutely otherwise yep. you might not have enough left to to do that 
Yeah. So, so what we know about human beings is we have a tendency to consume at the level we produce. The more yeah. you make, the more you spend. And just so you know, there's usually about a six month window. So if you get a raise at work or your business starts to accelerate, usually it takes about six months for people to say, you know, we're building up some money. We could get that nicer car. We could go on the nicer vacation. Maybe the kids could go to private schools, whatever your thing is. Uh, it does happen. And so if you save first, like you're saying, Gavin, and I know that's cliche, it's just so true because everybody I talk to has had this conversation. They look at their, their husband or wife and they say, honey, this is the month. We're not going to spend a lot. It's yeah. COVID. We're not going out to eat, blah, blah, blah. Whatever's yeah. left at the end yeah. of the month, we're going to save it. And guess how much is left at the end of the month? Nothing. Nothing. It is absolutely human nature. And so what I find is we need to find ways to make our human nature work for us instead of against us because willpower has been proven to be something that wears out. Mm. It doesn't mm. get stronger. The more you use it, the, it gets weaker, right? That's why we get decision fatigue. If you're a business owner, you totally know what I'm talking about. Sure. Um, and so we, we really want to be able to create systems that support that. And what's nice about this is you save first and then you can spend all the money guilt-free mm -hmm. because you know, you've saved and so I recommend that people save between 10 and 20% of their money. Certainly, if you want to spend more than that, that's fine. But if you haven't ever been saving, I would say start with 10%. Just yeah. do the automatic sweep, start putting it away. And if you have to dig in at the end of the month and go in there and get it, that's fine. But it's like building a muscle. You're building this savings muscle up, right? And just like with muscles in the gym, you don't get to start with the big weights. You start with the small ones. So start with the 10%. And what will happen is in the beginning, you might be used to spending a little more. So you go and you have to dip in and pull some of that money back out. But eventually you'll start getting to where you spend a little less, a little less, a little less. And there'll be months where the emergency doesn't come up. The kids don't need the braces. The car doesn't break down, whatever. And the money will start to build up in the savings account. And eventually it will just reframe your habits to where you spend what you make. Um, and it will start to add up. It feels really weird at first, if you're living paycheck to paycheck to try and save. But I promise you, whether you realize it or not, subconsciously, it starts to shift. It does take time. So if you just stick with it, you'll get there. And I promise if you don't ever stick with it or get started, you'll never, it'll never happen. You have to start. And usually before you're good at something, you're bad at it. So just get to being bad. But the point about the importance of systemizing it so that it happens automatically. You don't have to make the transfer out to a savings account. It's just mm -hmm. done automatically. Yep. Yep. I mean, I, so I'll say this cause I'm a business owner and I know you are, and a lot of your listeners are, we get paid sporadically sometimes, right? I get big sure. chunks of cash and then I don't get paid for a week and then I get a bunch more and all these other things. Sometimes I get paid 10 days in a row and sometimes I don't get paid for 10 days. So my, this is, I know this is super rudimentary, but because of the nature of my cash flow, part of my rhythm is I come in in the morning, I see what I got paid on and I make the transfer immediately. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just done. And that's just something I do every day because it's very difficult for me to totally automate that. I do use the life insurance policies and some of the other things, but basically what it is, I save everything into my savings account and then my insurance and my other investments and things get pulled from that savings account. So your first strategy is systemize saving money. What then comes next? Yeah. So the next thing I think is if you want to start getting a higher rate of return on your money and putting it to work, 
I believe that there's three rules that you should use for any investment. Um, and there is kind of a caveat to this, but the rules are you should invest in things you know about, mm. things you care about, and things you control. Now, the reason I bring this up is most people are doing exactly the opposite. <laughs> right. When I ask them, where are you putting your money? They say, you know, the stock market's the biggest thing here in the US and, and might be where you are in the UK. Sure. But I ask people, how much do you really know compared to the the financial guys, right? In London or in, on Wall Street, how much do you know on a scale of one to 10? And most people say, well, I'm probably a two or a three. So I don't know about it. If they didn't have money in there, they would never pay attention to it. So they don't care about it and they have no control. If the market crashes, what are you going to do? You're going to stay in or are you going to sell? Those are your only two options. You don't have the ability to impact it. And it's so disempowering, right? And so and I've, I've even noticed that um, like I have money in different things. And one of the things I have money in is Bitcoin, just as a bit of a hedge against inflation. And what I find is like, it's of course doing super, super well at this particular moment. But what's crazy about it is it's like, okay, it's going up and up and up. At some point, do I cash this out or do I ride this for the long haul? And if I ride it, I know there's going to be some big dips. And so mentally it becomes like a drug emotionally, right? of like on the ups and you're trying to guess it. And anybody who's not a professional investor, who's trying to guess the ups and the downs, I promise you that those big buildings on Wall Street and those big buildings in the financial district in London, they were not built on those guys losing. They were built on them winning, right? And so that's who you're up against. So I just feel like for most people, that's a bad place. So what you want to identify is, what are things that I know about? What are things that I care about? And what are things that I control and I would focus on getting educated on how to make money or, or invest in those things, right? To me, that's a, a much smarter thing because if you know about it, your outcomes are going to be better. Like your chances just go way up. If you care about it, you'll pay attention. If you don't care about it, you won't. And I know this is a universal rule. When you pay attention to things, they go a lot better than when you don't. Well, right. the categories of investments then. So let's take property as an earlier point of discussion. Uh-huh. You could know about it. You could mm-hmm. care about it, mm-hmm. but then you could have a situation like we had 2008, 2009, where there's a, a market adjustment, which mm-hmm. you cannot control that affects that. that. That's true. But what you can control is, do I want to sell the property? Do I want to fix it up? Do I want to short-term rental it? Do I want to lower the rents? Do I want to, you know, there's, you have so much more control there. We don't have ultimate Com- control over anything. Okay. <laughs> but compared to the stock market, I get your point now, you have significantly more options. Yeah. Or even taking small, uh, a small real estate deal, like a, a rental property that's a single family that you own or a small apartment building that you manage versus something like a real estate investment trust. If you put money in there, you don't have a say, you don't have any control. I'm not saying REITs are bad, especially if you're interested in real estate, you can probably choose a much better one. Um, But things that you do have control over, it's very empowering to say, okay, I can maneuver, I can pivot, I can sell this property, I can refinance it, I can do a a lot more than if I don't have any control at all. And the biggest thing for me, Gavin, is how it impacts your mindset. Mm -hmm. One of the things that creates happiness for people is believing that we have some degree of control over our outcomes, or we can at least impact them. People who feel like they're in a place and they have no ability to change that or get better become very unhappy. And I feel like a lot of people are in that place where they're scared to death of what might happen with 
whether it's real estate or the financial markets, and they feel like they have no control, that's really disempowering. And as an entrepreneur, like the most important thing you have is your confidence. If you don't have your confidence, your business is going to struggle. So if you look at other asset classes, you talk about commodities such as gold and mm-hmm. silver. Mm-hmm. Um, you like the stock market though. You don't necessarily have control. Or you don't have control of that. Mm-hmm. So you talking about other classes of investment then when you talk about your business, for example. Yeah. So, so the things that I do like there, so the one caveat to those three things is if you can invest money in a place where you can get guaranteed rates of return, then I feel like you can have things that are a little bit out of your, your control. Um, or, or out of your knowledge base because you're not going to lose, sure. right? You, they, they may not take you through the ceiling, but you're not going to lose. And so usually the first place I tell people to invest is invest in your education. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, Gavin, as you, as you build a life that you want to live, these investments, these things that you invest in are going to impact it. So if you can invest in things, even if it's, it's a little slower on the uptick, you've got to learn more and you've got to kind of figure it out. Once you figure it out, you get to enjoy the results of that knowledge or being immersed in things that you care about for your whole life, instead of feeling like this is this thing I have to pay attention to because I'm scared it's going to go wrong, but not because I enjoy it. And so it's always sucking on you. It's always draining you. So I feel like it's one of those things where it's go slow to go fast on the front end. It requires a little bit more uh, responsibility and a little bit more choice on your and, and purposefulness on your part. But once you create a life that way, you get to live that the rest of your life. So it's in my mind, it's a small price to pay, but on the very front end, when you're anxious and eager to get started, it can feel a little bit slow. Yeah. 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 So systemize, systemize saving your money and then invest in things you know about, you care about, and you have some control over Mm-hmm. What would be your next sort of step of, of, of on the process of a, a three-year plan to give you financial peace of mind? Well, I think once you start to get there, for me, one of the key things is looking at uh, investments or or businesses or side hustles or whatever that are kind of in that know about, care about, and control category, and looking at how do I transform that into cash flow. Mm-hmm. Quite often people put something money into something for the long haul. Yeah. But here's the thing, cash flow is is absolutely essential. Most I don't want to say most, a lot of business owners that I know uh, are kind of in this state where they feel like they have to reinvent the wheel every single month, right? You have to show up and the first of the month like you're at zero and you have to go out and make it happen. And you may have a longer sales cycle or whatever, but every single month you have to generate it. If you create cash flow, that money comes in, you can create predictability. And the power in predictability and cash flow is now you can make long term plans. I feel like business owners who don't create cash flow get stuck in the here and now. And so their planning horizon is 30 days, maybe 60 days, but they can't undertake long term projects that will really build out their business because they're always in survival. They're always in survival. They're always, even if they've, they're working on the business, all that focus is on the next 30 days, the next 60 days. How do we make money to survive instead of slowly building up that cash flow over time that, that really can grow and compound for you? And I think if you're looking at investments, I would highly recommend that you look at the investments that benefit you now, which is cash flow and long term. Mm-hmm. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you've got you've got a growth in asset value over time, but you get a cash flow that you can pull off that asset now. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to reinvest that cash flow, that's fine. But there's just so much peace of mind in knowing I've got money coming in, whether I show up to work or not, or whether we have a bad month, or whether COVID goes on, or you know, and no cash flow is guaranteed. But because who would have thought that the government would just say, "Oh, you just don't have to pay rent," right? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. There are exceptions to everything, but we can't build our life based on the exception. We have to build it based on the rule and then prepare for the fact that there will be some exceptions. And that's where that cash savings does come in. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I've seen examples of where people have started off all well-intentioned in order to follow a process like this. Yeah. And then they kind of uh, go off course a bit. So mm-hmm. what are the reasons for that? Is it, something that happens like, yeah, the car breaks down or the, there's the, I don't know, the boiler work, the, the, the heating boiler at home breaks down or, or, or there's a problem in the business and you lose a major contract. What are the reasons that cause people to go off track, off course? Well, I think the first one is they never get started, right? Sure. It, it feels like too much. And here's the thing. You don't have to build the whole thing at once. Just start saving. Just start that first. And eventually you'll have some money and you'll go, God, I should really do something with this, right? Like it'll, it will start to create itself. I think business owners specifically, Gavin, we have a tendency to be a bit self-important. Mm-hmm. We're too busy to put up with it. We're so busy making money, or I like to use the comparison of a, of a bucket. And you're just so busy pouring more water in the bucket, more income in that we just don't want to patch the holes at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And it's all just pouring out the bottom, but we think, if I stop pouring it in, I'm just going to run out of money instead of saying, well, let's take a minute. Let's patch up the bucket first. And I think we get our priorities mixed up. And so we're too busy to do the things that are going to build the long-term wealth. And a lot of that is a survival instinct. So I think that's where people get derailed. And like you said, people do get discouraged. They start saving and then the, the car breaks down or the kids need braces or whatever. Uh, the sailboat needs repairs because, you know, I see your sailboat in the background there. Uh, and uh, sailing is a super cheap hobby, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, people do get discouraged by that. But here's the thing, like you, you have to trust that if you do the right thing over the long term, you're going to get there. And the only way you're going to learn those lessons and determine that, hey, this is something I'm committed to is you have to start. And usually it starts by getting punched in the nose or kicked in the knee a few times. Just know that that's part of the process. So I think uh, accountability is the key to the whole thing. I've, I truly believe that if you have a vision, meaning I know where I'm trying to go, at least generally where I want to go, you have structure, which means I know what to do. At least I've been told what to do, how to do it, And I have it blocked out when I'm going to do it. So on my calendar, I've made time for this. And then you have accountability, someone outside of your inner circle to answer to for it, things will get done. And that's kind of how, how businesses work, right? You've got a vision, everybody's got their objectives and you have a manager or someone to answer to for it. And amazingly, it all gets done. And when you don't have that, you just run in circles chasing your tail and you wonder why you never get anywhere. And so I think accountability is the big thing that's missing for most people. They have a plan, they mean to go for it, and then they something comes up, they lose it. There's no accountability. There's no one else out there to make it real and they just give up. 
And presumably that's a, a core to what you work on with your clients is providing that accountability. I do. It's, it's not the primary thing that I do, but for clients who need it, especially on the front end, getting going. Yeah. We, we do provide that for them. I don't do like a coaching service. Sure. We, we take people through a process and then if they want to keep us on retainer, we allow that to happen, but it's not like monthly coaching or anything like that. We're, we're more of a, let's take you through the process and then we will be available as you need us. Great. So if somebody wants to listen to this, wants to find out more about the, uh, the work that uh, Big Life Financial can do for them, particularly if they are US-based, mm-hmm. um, how can they do that? Yeah, the, the easiest way is just to go to our website, biglifefinancial.com. And if you want to download uh, like our savings strategy that we use, because I know we talked a lot about savings, we have a book on that. You can just download that at biglifefinancial.com forward slash free gift, F-R-E-E-G-I-F-T. You can download our book. It will also allow you to set up a free consultation. Part of my belief is that I have an hour for anybody, one time at least. And even if you're not there yet, you're just trying to figure this out. I'm happy to talk with you, help you develop an action plan so you can get there. And if you're on the treadmill, the financial treadmill of like, I'm making money, I'm losing it. I'm making money. Where's it all going? I'm making it. It's all gone. I really want to help you get off that so we can definitely identify what the cause is because it varies quite a bit from person to person, help you to put the the tools in place to start automatically uh, saving and growing your money and protecting it and all the other stuff. Eric, thank you so much for your time today. And um, what I love about it, it, it's practical, it's straightforward. It's not often followed or not followed <laughs> anywhere near enough. And just yeah. some simple things that the compound effect over time can lead to a phenomenal difference to your wealth creation over time. That's really it. it people think that wealth is like an event and it's actually a series of actions. Yep. Yeah over a period of time the compound excellent Derek thank you so much my pleasure you've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast be sure to subscribe rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms enjoy more success and create more impact